Hello and welcome to Socialism, the Marxist podcast from the Socialist Party. What is Leon Trotsky's theory of permanent revolution? In the early 20th century, Russia was still a mostly feudal country, but could it achieve socialism without passing through a greater development of capitalism first? Even today, the economic and social advances promised by the capitalist democratic revolutions have not been fully achieved. This is especially true in the neo-colonial countries, whose development is held back by wealthier capitalist powers. What is combined and uneven development? Why is it only the working class which can lead a successful mass movement for permanent social change? And why does the revolution have to be international? This episode of Socialism looks at how history moves forward, Trotsky's theory of permanent revolution. This episode we're going to be discussing the theory of the permanent revolution and I think that is a name which can be a little bit misleading. It can give the impression of unending turmoil. Of course there are different ways of translating it. Uninterrupted revolution is possibly a better translation but permanent revolution is the name which has stuck and we're going to be discussing what that means and what its relevance is today with T.U. Senan from the Committee for a Workers International. Hello Senan. Hi James. So whenever Leon Trotsky or Trotskyism is mentioned, a key phrase that will come to mind for a lot of people is this notion of permanent revolution. So what, Senan, are the main ideas represented by permanent revolution? That's correct. It's the permanent revolution represent a defence of scientific Marxism. That's what when you're talking about Trotskyism is basically... Is an idea that flow from the understanding that started with Marx and Engels and etc. However, this emphasizes on three aspects. Okay. One is the historical aspects in terms of how capitalism develops. And also the other one is about socialist revolution. The third one is important is the international aspect. It has to be defended at one point after the revolution what developed in Russia. So should we talk a little bit about the historical element first? This historical element means that we understand how capitalism developed. Trotsky introduced this new idea called the theory or law of uneven and combined development. Uneven and combined development. Yes. So that uneven and combined development, what it means actually is that it's actually come from Marx, but if you develop it further, the capitalism never developed in the same way in any two countries. Mm -hmm. Within the countries, and there are differences between the countries. How it develops... No process is repeated in the same way anywhere in the world. So what happens is that when capitalism developed at different times, it developed different ways, depending on the national peculiarities, various aspects, but also how the industrialized nations, the leading capitalist countries in the West, came to dominate this development. Mm -hmm. So another aspect of that developed, along with it, counterposed the actual development, particularly in the neo-colonial countries, where the profit motive system hampered or paralyzed the development of productive forces, which is majority of manufacturing and the productive forces are controlled by the capitalist so-called developed countries. Mm -hmm. So these countries, uh, we call it neo-colonial, we say, is in a relationship economically kind of relationship with these countries. So in a way that they are not fully able to develop, they're weak, they had a very weak bourgeoisies and so on, not fully able to develop. 
And as a result of that, they're not able to, even the big bourgeoisies in these countries, not able to deliver the bourgeois democratic task. What are they? Just say, for example, elimination of feudal and semi-feudal relations or solving national questions or establishing democratic structures to allow the development of industry, etc. are not able to be completed. But while this is happening, the another force come to act upon it, which is called combined development. Okay. Which so is the first force was the, the first is anyone. These are two things. The, the law of uneven and combined development has two parts, mm-hmm. one opposite to each other. So the uneven development was that these later developing capitalist countries have very weak capitalist economies and capitalist classes, but there's also combined development. That's right. So the combined development is a kind of Say, if, if you want to express it in like a levelling out, wanted to catch up with the developed world. Okay. There's a massive tendency exists in every part of the world. They want to be in an equal uh, footing with the rest of the population. Of course. Yeah, that particular force can create upheavals, revolutions, leap forward, and skipping of stages also can take place. And that is why we reject the idea of stagism, that the previous to these ideas, there is a general agreement in, among some of the Mensheviks and some of, even by the Bolsheviks, that you, some of the Bolsheviks as well, is that you have to pass through, like in the Western developed countries, you have to pass through a stage of a democratic revolution, and then, then only you can go into socialist revolution. And by democratic revolution, that would entail the development the of the capitalist dem- industry before you can have a socialist revolution. That is correct. That's, with that idea, they kind of handed over power to the bourgeoisie in number of... That's the kind of argument. But Trotsky rejected it and then used correct Marxist approach to explain and then came to be this particular law and the explanations in terms of how capitalism develops. So the combined development recognises that because the technologies and relations already exist elsewhere in the world, countries which are looking to develop further can actually have big elements of the most modern forms of technology and industrial relations alongside the most backward forms because at the same time as introducing those, they're held back. So that's the two sides at once, combined and uneven. Is that right? That is correct. So you can have the mix of things, how it's developed, but different to different countries, of course. So you can have the very advanced development at the same time, the feudal aspect to it, and et cetera, et cetera. But the force of combined, it's not about like, you know, equal as in like a literary equal mm. to catching up with the development in terms of democratic rights and all some of the things that we explained. And this will not take place in an automatic way. Mm. So because it prevented by those who control the productive forces who have advanced technologies, etc., etc., they would act to create more profit and then to control all the resources. And that's how the world is at the moment. So the more advanced capitalist countries are responsible for holding back capitalist developments in the neocolonial countries. That is correct. So that's they the... act as a barrier of the development in neocolonial countries. Okay, through their super-exploitation of the economies of those countries. Mm. So that's the historical element. The... In short, yes. That the main component is this two-part law of uneven and combined development, which means that you can never have a completely equal footing for capitalism between different nations, and also that it is possible in revolutionary explosions to actually skip historical stages rather than going through a kind of stable flourishing of capitalism in these backwards countries because they couldn't achieve that anyway. They can skip that. Is over correct. That. Yeah. So that leads us on to the second element then, which is the question of socialist revolution in these countries. Right. This is also important because it was straightforward at the time of the Marx and Engels period, but then it became kind of twisted and misunderstood. 
what is the socialist revolution is very important. We have to understand how socialist revolution develop. Mm-hmm. It would not develop as just one act or just developing in one country alone will change everything and etc. etc. But the socialist revolution is rather linked to continuous changes that is needed to bring the productive forces into the control of the workers' management, and that productive the control should be dominant control in the world not just within one country is not enough mm-hmm. so in terms of establishing the socially production as a planetary production with the plan for the planet and bringing together etc etc that is kind of karl marx pointed out and then trotsky has to defend that particular position in relation to this, what is the socialist revolution particularly because after the revolution the development of stalinism as you know in russia where they started to argue socialism in one country you can somehow achieve the socialist mode of production in one country and that's enough so we're about to come on to the international aspect why is the question of the socialist revolution a distinct point in the theory that is important i already mentioned already a little international aspect in when i was explaining socialist revolution because we cannot separate these two things Uh, that's the key point. Okay. The socialist revolution can develop like Lenin explained at the weakest link of for the capitalism mm-hmm. anywhere. It doesn't mean that it has to develop in the western world. It can develop in a new colonial countries or even poorer country etc etc. But it will have to grow over. The revolution has to become international. Mm-hmm. and of course the productive forces particularly also have to spread to the western countries where most industrialized countries etc etc for the establishment of socialist production internationally and for the workers to really control the resources of the world that is the key understanding which brought in by trotsky by this kind of i classify in order to explain the international aspect so it is the idea now that the capitalism brought it is global basically mm-hmm. whether it's like divided along the nation state etc yeah but there is no global planning no so the marxism was not arguing that society should go backward rather than forward sure so which means that the productive forces can be brought under the control of the workers and then plan can be implemented so the socialist aspect should not be limited to one city or a country or etc cannot be limited if that's the case if it is not spreading the international various forces internal and outside will come to act upon it in order to defeat it so i think that is the key aspect for marxist or revolutionary forces taking power in any particular place or so on then it become immediately important for them to spread the revolution not just in the nearby countries but also to the advanced countries in the west and so on so beginning with this idea of uneven and combined development combined and uneven development which says that it's impossible for the poorer or later developing countries to ever reach full parity with the advanced capitalist countries but also therefore that if they're going to move forward they not only can but have to skip over what might be seen as a stage of historical development that kind of stable democratic capitalism so called which you see in the advanced countries that therefore it is the working class which has to lead the revolution in those countries and furthermore that that revolution cannot be limited to a particular country it has to spread internationally is that right yeah that is correct but also wanted to kind of explain a little bit the role of working class is skipping in the sense that of course in terms of you don't have to hand over power to the bourgeoisie it doesn't mean that the democratic task 
can skip these democratizations. It will have to be. But the, what Trotsky explained is that the, the burden of that falls in the shoulders of the workers themselves. Mm. So when they're taking power, socialist, once the revolutionary process takes place and workers took power, mm. not much changes. Work only starts then. Mm. Basically, just start implementing various reforms, the land reforms, like I mentioned earlier, in terms of solving the national questions and various aspects, in terms of getting rid of the feudal elements, etc., etc., and trying to implement the planned economy. The process starts, but the task in itself can be done only by a working class. The bourgeoisies in these countries in particular, in the neoconvict countries, are so weak to deliver their own revolution or their own demands, the democratic demands. That is the key point. So that if the working class doing that, they cannot stop there. That's the problem. Because so they the are in control. Class makes a revolution, that is right. And they can't then just hand power it will over, grow to, over to socialist class. That's right. Yeah. They have the power. Why should they just do the bourgeois job and then hand the power back? And then return so to being do, exploited. That is right. That it will grow over to the socialist revolution. Okay. So in these countries which have later developing weaker capitalism, they're weaker because they are exploited themselves by the older, more powerful imperial capitalist nations. They're often very closely tied to the old ruling class, the aristocracy, the feudal landlords, these sorts of people, and are fearful of the role the working class could play in a revolution, in fact, because they can't stand on their own two feet as a class. They're so weak, these capitalist classes fearful. in these countries. Also, they're incapable. Incapable. Because the thing is that, for example, if they have to develop, let's say, for example, a particular important productive forces is developing, mm -hmm. that will come to be dominated by the West. Mm. They were not going to just watch and see or let them develop. Look, see you did the discussions and the fight going on in relation to the 5G, the latest technology development, etc. So the dominant forces will want to control any development for themselves to make more profit. When you're in a weaker position, you have no way of competing with these forces. Sure. So automatically hammer the development. When you're competing with them on a capitalist basis, capitalist so the basis. only way is to break out of the market system. Yeah. That's the thing. Break out and workers taking power, withstand this pressure of the capital and then force the development and spread the revolution. Yeah. Okay. So you also talked about the socialist revolution, therefore having to complete the bourgeois democratic task, the task of the capitalist revolution. And you talked about the land question, so that means under feudalism, of course, peasants were tied to the land and they were controlled very closely by feudal landlords. And one of the things that capitalist revolutions did in a lot of cases was divide up the land between the peasants to work for themselves, freed them up also so they could become employees in industry, in the towns. These are things which haven't happened in a lot of cases even today in some of these later developing neo-colonial countries. But those were things which were sorted out by the capitalist revolutions 200 years ago in the more advanced countries. But in order to sort out those problems, it requires the workers to take power and start to address them. Yeah. But then also, like you say, the national question that oppressed nationalities, having the right to determine their own destinies, having their own states if necessary, the right to democratic involvement. All of these things which came with the capitalist revolution two or three centuries ago can only be carried out by the workers, but they'll be doing that at the same time as carrying out the next stage of historical development, planning the economy, bringing industry out of private capitalists' hands into public ownership, and so on. And so the revolution itself will be an example of combined and uneven development, of actually finishing all those tasks all at once. That's right. It's not one act. 
It will go forward, go backward. There is no like a straight line. History never travels in straight line. And the nature is much more complex. The Karl Marx, Engels, Lenin, Trotsky were dialecticians, basically, historical materialism, along with dialectic, ideas of dialectics. And they looked at nature, how things develop in much more deeper way than crude Marxist. So it is very important point you mentioned, James, there, is that that process starts once the workers take power. Mm. It then... They will have a so much different tasks to complete, etc., etc., and then grow. And the question of peasantry is also important mm-hmm. because the peasant themselves, because of the kind of economic link they have, and the heterogeneous character of the peasantry, mm-hmm. which means the poor farmers, the rich, the feudal lords, and etc., various things you know that exist in the peasant. When we say just peasantry, because of that, they are incapable of their own organization because it will be pulled in various different directions. Mm. But also, they can play a different role at a different historical period of time. Mm-hmm. But that's one of the things that analyzed important contribution by Trotsky is to understand the role of peasantry and the importance of winning the poor peasants. It's in their interest to go for a socialist revolution where the task of the land reform and allowing the peasant to have their own land to develop, etc., etc., will be carried through the leadership of the working class. Together with the peasantry, they can carry through the revolution, but with the leadership of the working class needed in order to even carry through that. Because the working class has enormous concentrated economic power because of its role in mass production, mm. but also is able to develop a collective consciousness because rather than operating on the basis of individual small farmers or families of farmers, it's masses of people all collected in one place, closely working together, cramped living conditions unfortunately often as well. But these engender a collective consciousness in the working class, whereas peasant Producers will tend to be more disparate and more atomized, is a term which is used, will tend to think of themselves as individuals in competition. So it's difficult to bring them together behind one banner without a class like the working class leading, leading the way. Is that right? That is correct, yes. So you've talked a little bit about the peasantry there. In a country like Britain or the United States, for example, there isn't a peasantry in the modern day. There is still a peasantry or some working, modern working form. Working farmers and stuff. Yeah, yeah there, there are working farmers, but it's not on the same basis, not on the feudal basis. There are still countries in the world today which have a peasantry or something like it. But certainly in Russia, in 1905 and in 1917, there very much was still a peasantry. So this was the situation where the working class was a minority, in fact, in Russia, where Trotsky was analysing the situation and developing his ideas. So how was it that this idea of the permanent revolution originated and developed? The origin of the permanent revolution, is an interesting question, is not with Trotsky, like mm-hmm. a lot of people think. It's actually with Karl Marx. Why Karl Marx come to this idea is also an interesting question. It's mm-hmm. not in his capital or scientific understanding in the kind of scientific analysis of the capitalist society, etc. Mm. Of course, it's flow from that understanding, but also in terms of organising the socialist revolution, he stumbled upon a difficulty, a strategic difficulty opened up. First of all, trying to explain these things to the working class in the scientific approach, but also applying these ideas in order to build the workers' position in a stronger way. Mm-hmm. So what that means, in the initial stage of the rebuilding of the first international, then he got stuck because they, they, he was analysing what developed in France with the Commune, the French Revolution, etc. Mm-hmm. Then trying to apply that immediately. And then Engels and Marx were leading the debate and discussion at the time and kind of stuck, basically. 
explaining to the leadership at the time. Because they pointed out that at one point, the bourgeois bribing the workers, trying to ally, to get them behind the petty bourgeois and the bourgeois elements, etc. Mm -hmm. Then they argued vigorously against it. In the words of Marx, the independence of the workers must be restored. Okay. And then he said that, you know, he wrote letters to the Communist League, various letters to the Communist League Central Committee, the leading body at the time and so on, which is controlled by Marx. It was divided between anarchist and the Marxist at the time. And then in those letters and argued. And it is in that flow of thing that he started to argue the case clearly, saying that the independence of this working class must be restored and protected and that we must reject the idea of surrendering their position to the other petty bourgeois idea and so on. And this, the middle class, middle the class and the capitalists and yeah. so on. And also that he pointed out that the revolution, the workers' revolution he talked about, even then at the time of the, remember, the democratic revolution we talked about, the capitalist uh, capitalist revolution, revolution yeah. it was taking place at the time. And Marx was living during that particular period, analyzing. Even then, even though the working class is not as strong as now and then is developing into a strong force, mm -hmm. then he argued the independence of it and realized that they could play a part in this movement and etc. But it will not stop there. It will have to be permanent. And that's when he introduces this idea. But he did not develop this idea, Marx, because it wasn't necessary at that time. It was disintegrating the first international itself and so on. So what happened was that 50 years later, when the Russian Revolution in 1905 developed, mm -hmm. then came the situation, again, the rebirth of these ideas. At the time, various Marxists, Lenin, Trotsky, Mehring, Rosa Luxemburg, various Marxists at the time arguing similar position in terms of independent of the working class and so on. But it is these ideas generally, the permanent character of it and why this kind of ideas are not fully developed. But Trotsky ended up in leading the Soviet and then almost in a leadership this is in position, St. Petersburg in 1905. St. Petersburg, and then lead in a in a position to lead the 1905 revolution, got stuck yeah, with yeah. the historically basically <laughs> in terms of how this is going to develop. In 1906, in prison after the defeat of this revolution, mm -hmm. he revisited and analyzed, like you said, the backward country Russia, and fully analyzed the taking on the experience of the 1905 revolution. That's when he writes this first book, Results and Prospects. Okay. And in that book, he introduces this idea a bit more further. But in, in his My Life, he will write that... That's his autobiography. In autobiography, that he will write that he borrowed heavily from Marx, Engels, Powers, for example, mm -hmm. Alexander Powers and various people. But even then, he wasn't fully developed this, not fully developing all these ideas, but introducing these ideas. And then he has to fight against the conventional classical view existed widespread among the left at the time that the Russia also have to go through the bourgeois democratic revolution, which means the capitalism has to be established in Russia after overthrowing the Tsar, the feudal king. And then only then workers who can fight for socialist revolution. He has to fight against that. Because the Mensheviks, for example, effectively had the position that the workers would help the capitalists into power and then take up a situation as a kind of parliamentary opposition until some unknown future date when capitalist industry was sufficiently advanced for the workers to take power on their own terms. But as you've indicated in the beginning, introducing the ideas, having created the situation where the workers can take power, why would you give power to the capitalists? It doesn't seem to make any sense to do that. I think it's also worth mentioning as well that one of the things which is often said by Marxist detractors was that he didn't predict the Russian Revolution. In fact, some go further. They say he didn't think it was possible for the revolution to begin in Russia, the Socialist Revolution. 
by the way, if he had thought that, you could forgive him for that because, of course, he was writing at a distance of many decades before it actually took place. He's not a god. He's not some kind of oracle with a crystal ball. But it's not true, is it? Because, in fact, in the last foreword that he wrote to the Communist Manifesto before he died, he does say it's possible that the European revolution could break out in Russia first. He didn't go on to exactly what sort of revolution that would be, whether it would be a socialist revolution, but he expected it to ignite revolution in the capitalist countries, which would have to therefore be a workers' revolution, and for that process to rebound back into Russia. And in effect, isn't that the permanent revolution? That is correct. And it's ludicrous that certain arguments put forward by some like you mentioned in various different attack against Trotsky and they have been trying to kill his ideas ever since they killed him but they're not <laughs> successful because these ideas are not abstract or something that come from one man mind rather rooted in conditions that's why we going through this historical and explaining what is what he himself did not come through these ideas himself he's gone through the experience of 1905 revolution he is forced to kind of develop out of these conditions and in terms of like what he said then that's when he analyzing the difference between the american working class the russian working class the concentrated form etc etc coming to the understanding how the workers themselves 1905 revolution started with a strike in terms of workers themselves demanding going forward and then understanding and then going back into reading marx in terms of analyzing society and then applying back again coming to these ideas that's why these ideas cannot be killed this was borne out in the revolution of 1917 mm-hmm. At the time, for example, even the Bolshevik party was in a wrong position. After the 1905 revolution, you have to understand, Trotsky did not fully take part in with the Bolsheviks. Of course, they're in a similar party. They collaborated at times and opposed at times and so on. And he thought at one point we can develop the Mensheviks and he quickly found out that they can't work with them either. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, he could not be satisfied, obviously, by the Mensheviks with their position of the stages approach. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the Bolshevik also had a wrong formula, which Trotsky opposed, which is the dictatorship of the proletariat and the peasantry. This is kind of algebraic formula, he would say, is that it doesn't really deal with the character of the peasantry century who is in control what does the things etc etc and so on because after all in 1905 it was the peasant regiments that were used to crush the workers revolution wasn't it that is correct like in the french revolution mm-hmm. and so on so the thing is and that's why lenin was very careful in terms of dealing with peasantry as well this is an interesting discussion that would be for another time but <laughs> <laughs> but having said this when the february revolution developed in, in russia 1917, 1917 yeah. and then it was clear for particularly the Bolshevik leadership, particularly the Lenin, that what's happening, the workers die coming into the fore and so on and so forth. Then, of course, Lenin, being a superb Marxist, studied Marx in very detail, that he changed his position. Mm-hmm. And then that came in April when he arrived. On the second day itself, he presented a thesis, not just to the Bolsheviks, but also to the Menshevik leaders mm-hmm. and into the Soviets and so on and so forth, in April thesis. That had a shock effect. Why? That is not the position of the Bolshevik up until then. Because what the April thesis said was that the workers would have to take the power. The thesis is yes? ultimate. It is basically a permanent revolution. Okay. It is the idea that the workers, it is who is in control. They have to take power and so on, and then they have to lead it, and this revolution has to grow over into the socialist revolution. When he proposed this idea, it came as a shock even for the Bolsheviks. And a lot of Central Committee members, including Stalin, had a different position at the time and then disagreed. One month later, Trotsky arrived in Petrograd, and then he immediately kind of went into the Soviet and started working. And then immediately, a few days within it, 
they formed this coalition government, the Social Revolutionary, then the Mensheviks, and they opposed it, and then started to kind of argue for the independence of the working class. And he realized the position of Lenin has been taken. He immediately formed a bloc with them. Mm-hmm. Of course, eventually joined the Bolshevik Party and became a Central Committee member. Mm-hmm. Led the revolution in 1917 October, on the basis of. Uh, these ideas. Mm-hmm. It was vital. It is the ideas mm-hmm. of the permanent revolution concluded that particular revolution into workers taking power. The workers took power in 1917. The theory of the permanent revolution, which began with Marx, passed through Trotsky, was accepted by Lenin, was vindicated, therefore. But can you explain briefly why it was then that after the revolution, huge slanders were heaped against that theory. And in fact, Stalin came up with a different theory, didn't he? Socialism in one country, and even reintroduced the stages theory, which you've explained was an incorrect conception, mainly adopted by the Mensheviks. That's right, without going too much into detail, because Trotsky dedicated lots of writing in terms of explaining the development of bureaucracy in Russia and how the revolution was betrayed, etc. But it is the kind of all Bolshevik ideas in a way that come back. So basically, they've gone back into this position, particularly the Stalin trying to protect the revolution within Russia. Mm-hmm. At one point, Lenin floated the idea that for them, the crucial aspect, they expected the revolution will develop in Germany. Mm-hmm. Which was the most advanced most industrial, advanced country, industrial country, country with big socialist traditions in the working class. And then class. they saw the protection and the development of the Russian revolution is dependent on it. Okay. At one point, Lenin, it would be a new thing for some of the listeners, even on the left, is that at one point they were ready to sacrifice the Russian revolution in order to win the German revolution. Because Lenin the international had that character of the revolution was that, what Unless it, how it, that, it has to develop that way, otherwise this will be defeated. Mm-hmm. Trotsky foresaw what happened years and decades afterwards in terms of what's going to happen to the revolution. Of course, we have to protect it. There is always opportunity, of course, to grow over to socialist revolution in every aspect that we will face in different countries. But however, that is a danger. But Stalin bureaucracy in, did not see this. For them, they're protecting their control uh, as well as the kind of international become their kind of foreign department, basically, trying to kind of suit their own needs. So the Communist International, which was founded as a way of bringing together revolutionary socialists around the world, just became a kind of border guard for the degenerating Soviet Union. That's right, because based on that, they're going back to these old ideas when the revolution and development in China, for example. This is in the 20s. In the 20s, in 1920s, it led this same major blunder, major blunder. And they even supported, at one point, Trotsky pointed out the kind of Kerensky figure that developed in China, for example. So that was was Kerensky who led the provisional government, the capitalist government in the Russian Revolution. So even at one point, Trotsky would point out that even the Mensheviks at the time of the Russian Revolution did not have that particular position. So it's degenerated to a level. But but you're talking about the communists in China being instructed to enter into an out-and-out capitalist political formation, the Kuomintang, is that right? Yes, Chiang Kai-shek, Kuomintang, they formed the coalition, the Communist Party, Kuomintang. And then when... He started to purge the Communist Party. Then the left wing of that organization, there's another person called Wang Jiwei. And then they are the kind of, he became a hero. And mm-hmm. he is the Chinese Kerensky, Trotsky would say. Mm-hmm. And then he was portrayed as a, oh, the new hero, etc., etc. But eventually, of course, he attacked. So the Communist Party was kind of collapsed out of that. 
In China. In China. And that is the position they should not have taken. They should have led the revolution, etc. So the Third International becomes kind of protective mechanism for Stalinist bureaucracy and played a role in defeating number of revolutions across the world. There are many quotations and various things that exist in terms of Stalin, what he said at the time and so on and so forth. And they time openly said that they, our role is not developing revolution across. And then they developed this idea of socialism in one country, mm. restricting within the boundaries of Russia. Because it's in opposition to all the Marxist wisdom that the Bolshevik represented before that. Of course, Trotsky formed the left opposition, all the scientific Marxists and people come after, join this left opposition and there's a fight opened up against this particular process. However, it was defeated not by winning ideas, winning the kind of debate or by winning the kind of argument through historical development, etc., but by just killing. A lot of people been killed. <laughs> a lot of, lot of attacks took place. Even Trotsky himself was murdered. Yeah. And the person who murdered Trotsky was given order of Lenin. Mm. And things like that taking place and so on and so forth. And that's why to this day when we say Trotskyism or Trotskyist, what we mean by that we defend the scientific Marxist tradition. And the traditions of the Russian Revolution itself. And the tradition of the Russian Revolution itself. But, you know, this slanders, of course, that quite a lot of things that happened at the time was kind of explained by Trotsky himself. He wrote extensively on various things and answering every little details of in his time. However, the further on, there is more things developed, pushed by the conditions after the Second World War, various social formations started to take place. And the people who called them Trotskyists themselves came to the kind of confusions in terms of the role of the working class, which is the core aspect of Trotskyism and Marxism. So you're talking here about particularly the 1960s, are you? Yeah, the 1960s, for example, when these various movements across the world, particularly in France, the student movement and etc., taken place. But you'd also had, hadn't you, the second Chinese revolution, which wasn't carried out by the working class, was carried out in effect by a peasant army over the heads of the working class who had no democratic involvement, but had nonetheless overthrown capitalism. You'd also had the Cuban revolution. So there was some credence could be given to the idea that revolution could happen without the working class. Yes, that is a kind of theoretical position that number of people not able to understand or explain. You are correctly pointing out what happened in China, where Mao entered the cities and balance between the classes and taken power, and Cuban revolutions, basically a rebel army, a small army, kind of pit the bourgeois base, engaged in guerrilla warfare and marched to Havana, took over. So these two processes kind of raised a number of questions in the minds of a number of Marxists who claim to be Marxists and also Trotskyists, uh, some of them as well. So this is it's actually a lack of understanding in terms of what taken place in this country mm -hmm. and also lack of understanding in terms of application of the permanent revolution. So there are people who are said, oh, this is, this is why the permanent revolution is deflected. And also, sorry, it deflected, but another argument is about that, okay, this process can be interrupted. Mm -hmm. The uninterrupted revolution can be interrupted. Sure, yeah, Things yeah. like various ideas you will come across and so on. But what we say is that you have to understand what went on in these countries and understanding in terms of permanent revolution. But it can still grow over. In Cuba, for example, Fidel Castro was pushed to become a socialist. And various aspects. Also, we had to understand the international situation that existed. Even with the deformed situation in Russia, mm -hmm. massive polarization existed towards the kind of Stalinist bureaucracy, 
in Russia for the aid, for example, dependency, for example, balancing the power. Because anything that happens in terms of revolutionary process, the West, particularly the US, wanted to crush it. Sure. So they need to lean on it. Various processes we need to take into consideration. So going into kind of aid or collaboration with the Stalinists, and also there is a tendency to model on it, the Stalinism and so on and so forth. We have to understand... Well, it's it the only non-capitalist non- model there was at the time. There is an alternate, yeah. So that is the particular situation, various aspects that at that time need to be explained. But also, they muddle and misunderstand between various revolutions that developed and a socialist revolution. Mm. So these revolutions can develop in various movements can come and various different states can be formed and every process of it, where what is the role of the working class, the leadership of the working class, and how that is, that's what the question is that's missed when they're applying while understanding these historical processes. Mm. In where, like you say, there is no working class. But then when you're trying to win the working class over, like that happened in Cuba, mm-hmm. and the process of that, whether they had a leadership, that's another question. Mm. Will the working class given a democratic control and the leadership in these countries? No. So we in the CWI, Committee for Workers International, Peter Taft wrote an excellent book on Cuba, mm-hmm. must read. We explained a little in detail in terms of how that is important, how that aspect of the workers' democracy with needed, even in Cuba, in order to push towards kind of socialist establishment, of socialist planned economy, and to also spread the revolution and so on, which was needed in China as well. That is not there. That which explains that historical Without explaining that, you cannot explain Cuba today, mm. China today, for example. We can just accept how, how these so-called theorists, they jump from one place to another. If they say, oh, the Cuba is socialist and China is socialist, suddenly how it's not socialist? Explain that. Yeah. yeah. So we are the consistent Marxists explaining these processes in details and application clearly with the Trotsky's ideas and so on. So the fact that China, Cuba, some other countries were able to actually advance society in other countries, despite all the political horrors and bureaucratic deformations in their revolutionary processes, if you can call them revolutions in some cases, the fact that they were able to do that, that in itself is a vindication of combined and uneven development and the fact that the capitalists are not able to take the situation forward. They were able to carry out partly some of the tasks of advancing those societies down the path of history by overcoming capitalism and landlordism in that way. But at the same time, clearly, they haven't completed all the tasks of either the capitalist or the socialist revolutions. They're not genuine workers' democracies. They haven't spread the revolution internationally. And in some cases, like China, they started to go back along the roads in a regressive direction towards capitalism. And so that is also a vindication of the theory of permanent revolution because they took power without the working class. So from both angles, is it safe to say that these problematic revolutions for some Trotskyists actually vindicate the theory of permanent revolution? Yes, it's a complicated, explained in terms of application and so on. And then we should discuss a bit more in details, probably another time. But the thing is, you're absolutely right. It's more the application of Trotskyism, basically, or Marxism, is that these countries won the support of the workers immediately, like in Cuba, for example, or in Mm -hmm. China, completed a huge number of tasks, particularly implementing one form or even in a deformed form, a planned economy is powerful. Mm -hmm. In a capitalist state, the element of socialist policies coming into the capitalist state can benefit the workers. Sure. 
So even in the capitalist Western countries where, say, for example, Corbyn coming into the socialist policy will massively benefit the workers. Sure. Even this, imagine a full socialist plan, how that would be with the democracy and etc. That's what we are talking about. It's not utopian. We can see there's elements in various aspects. So when you implement, when the masses taking power, defy the very powerful force of capitalism, mm-hmm. a profit-mongering capitalism, and then give something to the workers and develop. Of course, it's not only improve the working class condition, but improve in various production, various things, how the society is run, etc., etc. That's the result you see in some countries where taken those initiatives or travelled in these directions. Although, of course, it has Does limits because mean, of the bureaucracy yeah, not being able to... That is correct. It's not a fully finished product. That is the problem. Then we, what we argue as a Trotskyist is that that's only a start. It has to be uninterrupted. It has to be permanent. The task need to be completed. Mm-hmm. How it is, should be completed is that workers taking full control implementing democracy, completing not only these democratic tasks, but also bringing the production under their control, not just in that country, not just in that region, work towards change, controlling the resources for the whole of working class internationally. Well, this leads us on to our final question, which is, why is the permanent revolution important today? Clearly, like you've outlined, even in those countries which had deformed revolutions, the tasks were not completed, there's still stuff to do but also there are still neo-colonial countries. How do these ideas apply to the socialist revolution in the 21st century? It is very important. Every revolutionary movement that develops, like we see in the current crisis, we see multiple revolutions. Mm. You see in Belarus, we see in Lebanon right now, you see various movements taking place across the world. It was Trotskyists who argued this idea that the working class or the people or poor people in countries and so on and will develop, will move into actions, not just in a simultaneously at the same time, but it is a world event. Mm-hmm. And that we can see. There is no argument anybody can put forward against us on these things. This kind of the old idea of, oh, yeah, we'll do it from here and then afterwards and afterwards and afterwards. The kind of stages have it's gone out of the window. It's mm-hmm. objectively, you know, actually historically defeated, that idea. But... Having said that, when these revolution develops, there is comes to a position, point, where in what direction it should develop, mm-hmm. where it should go. Then the question of understanding the revolution and the developing a strategy become very important. That's where these ideas come into place. You take the example, not that long ago in Nepal. In Nepal, the Maoist nearly took power. Mm-hmm. In the Kathmandu, the capital city was surrounded in a 27-kilometer ring road by the people, just human chain. Really? And gender strike took place. And the king was kind of thrown out. Yeah. The people who are in the kind of king's government just escaped to India, escaped to India, and then, of course, the Maoists, they literally had power. Mm. But what did they do? But then this wrong idea... They subscribe to the wrong idea that, okay, we now let's establish a bourgeois democracy and then we will see. Let's just establish a constituent assembly where we'll establish a law and then afterwards. What happened in that process is that they brought back these capitalist elements who escaped to India and so on and started okay. to share power with them. So they brought gave the capitalists them, who fled back into power. Yeah, back into power, mm. gave them back what they didn't have. And not only that, they gave them time. This non-stop negotiation that took place in the Constituent Assembly gave them enough time to re-establish. Mm. Look what happened now. 
the Mao is gone, the new idea of Prachanda path and everything, where is it now? So even at that time, these key leaders, some of the key leaders of Maoist realized there is a limitation here they are facing. They are for revolution, we are not criticizing them personally here, sure. but they are stuck historically without this idea, they could not actually conclude the revolution. Mm. How it was cut across, how the counter-revolution developed, it is because they did not adapt the ideas of Trotskyism. And they stuck with it. They said the peaceful development of revolution seems to be dating out. To be dating out. Yeah. And at the same time, then they also said that Trotskyism has become more relevant than Stalinism to advance <laughs> the course of the proletariat. <laughs> they explicitly said it, but wow. just in words, yeah. they did not implement it. Okay. What happened then after now in Nepal was, you know, that some of them are split from them and gone back into the rural areas to kind of start from the square one. That's the thing. We do not want to start from the... We wanted to continue this struggle. We want to take the revolutionary process to the conclusion. Mm. It happened in Sudan, now in Lebanon. Take the example of India, for example, the idea of the Communist Party, where they thought, oh, the bourgeois democracy is very important, etc., etc. And then they were collaborating still with the Congress Party from that point of view as like an opposition to various arguments. What they did in Nandigram, in West Bengal, where they had a massive control, they're in government in West Bengal. And then this idea of the kind of development of the bourgeoisie, the local bourgeoisie, mm. they kind of allowed, attacked the farmers in Nandigram. That seal the fate for them in that city, but also for the party in Throd. Now they do not have a position in West Bengal, in number of cities they have controlled, and so on and so forth. So it is crucial when it comes to working class and or poor masses coming to the street, trying to enter the history books, as Trotsky would put it, trying to win democratic rights, but also not just that. Seal it forever, mm. make it permanent. In order to do that, we need to change the society and take power. Mm -hmm. This is what we are dealing with. But this means working class taking control. These ideas that we discussed today is plays an important, vital role that need to be adapted to every revolutionary process that develops right now, internationally, and so on and so forth. That's why... Even in the advanced capitalist countries, by the way, have not carried out every single task, even of the capitalist revolution. In Britain, for example, we have national liberation questions. In Scotland, in Northern Ireland, I mean... You know, you've also still got a monarch here. It's not the same function that it has under feudalism, of course, but there is no country on the planet where elements of the permanent revolution do not still apply today. That's correct. The bourgeois democratic revolution is not a complete thing. Hmm. It's gone backward and forward and various things. Nothing stays still. There's no country there. You can say the democratic revolution is fully complete. Sure. So this is a problem. What is being given to you can be taken away by the capitalist. Mm -hmm. It can go back. They can take away a lot of rights. The Tory party in Britain now abolishing the human rights, for example. And various democratic rights are lost for those in the US and many advanced industry countries as well. Like you still see the wage slavery in many countries and etc. Et so it is important, wherever it develops, adaptation of these ideas. But in understanding what is the democratic rights, understanding how we win it, not just win it, preserve it and then defend it and make it permanent. Understanding what it will take to have a better society and change from the capitalist society, but then not have an utopian idea that something automatically happen, rather have a clarity in terms of what's the role of the working class, why mm -hmm. it is important as the role of the working class, the centrality of the working class and the leadership of the working class, not to kind of give in to these kind of shortcuts that we discussed earlier a little bit in terms of the 1960s, where the seeing, the peasant army, seeing these the peasant armies, these are the kind of can play a role and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, sure. And they're deviating. To, at this stage, of course, the working class 
is not dominant. It doesn't mean that you can solve this without the domination of the working class, mm. the leadership of the working class. So our role is to fight for that. Of course, we get involved. Even a small role of the working class is so vital, even to win small democratic demands and etc. That is important. So even in a smaller scale, we will argue. But most importantly, we will argue for the leadership of the working class not only to deliver what we are demanding on a democratic rights, whether it's against racism or women's rights or anything, it is so vital, the role of the working class, but not stopping there, growing over with that leadership into winning more rights and changing the society, to live in a world where everybody has their abilities and talents and everything used for the society and then share out the wealth of the world for everybody. And that is a socialist plan that we should achieve. And then we'll grow over, of course, into how that develops afterwards into communism and etc. etc. And then that will be sorted out for the future generation. For our generation is to rid of this nightmare of capitalism that we face right now, which you see in various countries, in the Boris Johnson era, Modi in India, Trump in the US, and etc., etc. We no longer can accept tens of thousands of people dying by hunger. And lots of people died in this coronavirus crisis quite unnecessarily. Mm. And all these inequality that exists now is not acceptable. Those who think it's an unacceptable, something has to be happen, contact us. This is a determined group of people in the CWI. With the clarity of ideas, we will fight, even if we are in a minority, for the role of the working class and the leadership working class, with a clear idea, not just to win whatever we can get now, but also to end this once and forever. So if you like what you've heard, then recommend us to your co-workers and friends, donate to help fund us, and if you agree, join the socialists. Thank you very much, Sanan. Thank you, James. Thanks for having me. Socialism is produced by the Socialist Party, the England and Wales section of the Committee for Workers International. Today we heard from T.U. Senan speaking to James Ivans, and I'm Scott Jones. This episode was edited by Nick Hart. The CWI is holding an international online rally for the 80th anniversary of Trotsky's assassination, entitled, Why Couldn't His Ideas Be Killed? It's on the 23rd of August, a Sunday, from 2 p.m. London time. You can register to attend at socialistworld.net. You can find further reading on this episode in the notes in your podcast app and at socialistparty.org.uk forward slash podcast. And if you want to get in touch, email us at socialismpodcast at socialistparty.org.uk. Do you agree with the policies and actions the Socialist Party is fighting for? We need you. Send us your details at socialistparty.org.uk forward slash join. And if you live outside England and Wales and want to join the fight for socialism in your country, then contact the Committee for Workers International by visiting socialistworld.net. Socialism, the podcast, has no wealthy backers. We rely on funding from the working class, which maintains our political independence. So help us take the fight to big business. You can make a regular donation or a one-off payment at socialistparty.org.uk forward slash donate. Until next time, solidarity.